Well, hello, everybody. We have reached the month of December. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Hank and Dick. There no Sam Cardona tonight, uh, but Hank, happy to have you here. And uh, 10 days rest for this Giants football team. We have a very exciting game to preview here tonight, as well as a very exciting guest. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to discussing some Giants, as always. Should be a pretty interesting week against a hated division rival. And um, I have a fun fact regarding this that I'm probably going to save for when I get to the preview week. But it's something that I can't like that I'm not 100% sure about, but it's one that I'm probably going to go on a limit about. And you'll see why. I'm excited to hear about that. Hank is Mr. Encyclopedia, uh, essentially, (laughs) folks. But first, before we dive into our key takeaways from the Thanksgiving game, Folks, make sure to check us out on all of our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Big Blue Avenue. Appreciate all the support. And a friendly neighborhood reminder that tonight's episode is presented by BetUS. Get your number one sports betting app with your promo code below at join125. Get a 125% sign-up bonus where you can bet on the go anywhere, anytime. That is BetUS, America's number one favorite sports book where the game begins. And now, Hank, let's get into... Our week 12 takeaways from the Giants-Cowboys game. So the Giants, they've now lost two games in less than a week. Uh, the injuries are beginning to define this team and potentially its season, and it's clear as day that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley need help. When I look at this Dallas game, you know, offensively, the O-line held their own, but Andrew Thomas did give up his first two sacks of the season. I think it speaks volumes to uh, all the injuries the Giants have been dealing with, in addition to, you know, Andrew Thomas is human. He's not going to be perfect every game. And that run defense continued to struggle. They allowed Zeke to rush for 92 yards on the ground. So um, a lot of mistakes on this Thanksgiving game, despite the score, the 28-20 final. I feel like that really didn't define the game. But uh, the Giants worked with what they had, and unfortunately it wasn't enough. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And look, I'm not one of those people that likes to, you know, go on the moral victory angle of things, so to speak, because obviously, you know, with the Yankee fan in me, my thing is my expectation is usually as high as the talent. But in this case, the Giants just simply did not have enough talent to be able to overtake the Cowboys and win this game. It's that simple. But with that having been said, I'm glad the Giants pretty much were able to to hang around in this game, at least in the first half with taking the lead. But unfortunately, and look, I can tell you all a lot about how there were some bad calls by the refs, but the fact of the matter is the Cowboys were just simply the better team. There's really no other way to put it. And you can also argue about a certain call that Brian Dable made at some point during the game on the third and one. But again, as much as like, I don't really agree with that call either. You can't really shame the giants for losing this game. And I hate to say this about losing to one of my most hated teams, but that's the reality of the whole situation. However, with that being said, I think our opponent next week is definitely more beatable. In fact, I would argue they're on the same level as us. I agree 100%. We'll talk about Washington in just a little bit. We have comments coming in from Fonz DeFalco. Fellas, what's going on? Ready to make a future appearance. That's right. 
Uh, Fonz DeFalco was on our show earlier this year. He's our resident Baltimore Ravens fan uh, here in New York, and he is going to come on our show one day. We'll figure that out figure that out with them and explain why Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. <laughs> you heard that correct. Um, we'll have that segment live on Big Blue Avenue. Looking forward to talking to uh, Alfonso about that. Darius Slayton is good, by the way. Told y'all, LOL. Um, I always thought he was okay. Um, he was good for considering he was a day three, fifth round pick, Hank, but uh, – you know, the last two seasons really weren't good for anybody on this offense. That just made you feel like everybody was bad. And now I feel like the only reason why he's playing this well, I see Fonz's argument, but let's be realistic. If Sterling Shepard and Wandale Robinson both stay healthy, is Slayton playing this well? Probably not. Uh, Slayton's the only real option the Giants have on offense, uh, maybe outside of Daniel Bellinger when he gets back and occasionally Richie James, but Slayton's that option that defenses are focusing on now. And Slayton's doing a good job taking advantage of that opportunity. And I'm not going to go as far and say that Slayton is worthy of a second contract with this team, but Hank, he's definitely making a case for it. And it's crazy through 12 weeks. This man is the leading receiver on the New York football giants. Yeah, definitely. That's another thing that I probably would not have believed if you had told me that before the season. And in fact, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't we discuss him being cut as a possibility not too long ago? So the fact that he's leading the Giants, that's not bad considering all those other circumstances that I just mentioned. I mean, hell, Alex Bachman almost took his roster spot in the preseason. Remember that? That was crazy. Right. I remember there was a whole like Twitter thing about that. Um, happy to see Nick Gates playing well again. He was named the Giants recipient of the Ed Block Courage Award. He was up there in contention with Daniel Jones and Sterling Shepard, so nicely done. A um, couple more key takeaways from this game. Cowboys had 13 penalties and two turnovers. The Giants had their chances, right? They picked off Dak Prescott twice in the first half, once by Rodarius Williams, who I thought had a fine game, by the way. And the other one was Julian Love, but the Giants were unable to take advantage of that and extend their lead. They only had a six-point lead going into the locker room. The Giants are now 0-2 in the NFC East this season, which to me is more important than their 7-4 record. And all four teams in the NFC East are currently in the playoffs and all have seven-plus wins. That's my biggest takeaway. The entire NFC East is good this year. Now, Hank, are they good because the schedules are favorable or are they good because they're finally turning a table here? Both can be true. Both can be true. You love to say this. Yeah, you you know, that's one of my catchphrases. (laughs) But no, seriously, I do think both can be true. I think Washington definitely benefited from having a good schedule. But if you really look at the roster around them, they're a team that has a really strong defense, too. So I can definitely see why they're the way they are. And as far as the Dallas Cowboys go, like I just said, that is a roster that they always pretty much seem to have a talented roster. The issues with them for a while is one, the quarterback and 
while Dak's been decent, I'm obviously not in the camp that sees him as an elite quarterback. And Tom, I think you probably might be on that side there. And I think there's one other thing that's holding them back. And that would be Mike McCarthy. Ask Brian Attard. He literally went on a rant about him on our last episode. As a neutral, right? Mm -hmm. We're not Cowboys fans. We're not Vikings fans. I know you spoke to Gabe last night on Review and Preview. This is just my opinion. And you know what? Some people will blow blow me up for this. Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. You know why? Kirk Cousins doesn't miss time. And he, you know he'll consistently be good every week. And he was still putting up consistent numbers behind a mediocre offensive line in Minnesota over the past couple of seasons. Um, so if you told me I have to pick between Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott as my franchise quarterback – I'm taking Kirk Cousins, even at 33 years of age. I'm sorry. Um, if you got a problem with that, then we can hash that out at a, at a, at a different time. But um, look, man, I'm just saying the, the Cowboys did not win because of Dak on Thanksgiving. I will tell you that. I mean, the man threw two picks in the first half. He did everything to lose this game against the banged up giant secondary. It was not good. And To be fair, though, Dak was under duress a lot in this game. And, Hank, that leads us to our New York Giants player of the week. And let's break this one down. I'm finally, this man finally got one. He's so deserving of it. Uh, The numbers aren't quite there yet, but he's trending in the right direction. It is none other than Kayvon Thibodeau. Hank, take us away here. Well, basically – even though he did not get a sack, I would have to make the case that he was the one giant that really stood out to us on a posit on like a real positive side of things. And ultimately that's why we selected him as our player of the week. But beyond that, let's get, let me read off the numbers. Shall we nine pressures, five quarterback hits four hurries, one of those tackles for loss. And I should mention that the only reason he did not get a sack in this game was because he was blatantly held. Otherwise, Dak had no shot in that during that play. He played 73% of the defensive snaps, 55 total. And in nine games started, he's had 21 tackles, one sack, a forced fumble, three passes def- deflected, eight quarterback hits, 16 pressures, Look, the numbers might say much, like might not say too much about what he's done this year, but if you really look at it from the pure eye test, he's getting he's only gonna get better. And I think he's only gonna get stronger over the course of the second half. I just hope that he doesn't worry about the low sack totals. He had an eighty seven point two PFF grade against the Cowboys this week, and he also leads all rookie pass rushers with a fourteen percent pass pass rush win rate. So Again, there's a reason why you and I were very excited about this draft choice on draft night. And I'm sure Sam probably was too, I would imagine. Yeah, this was that home run pick. And um, I will say this. Yes, Kayvon Thibodeau was held. Um, Again, there were missed calls on both ends for sure. Um, I, I didn't agree with the Tyre Phillips call and there was at least one to two instances where Thibodeau was being held, but obviously we know that the Giants clearly lost this game. Um, 
Comment here from Tyler Cooper. What's up, Tyler? Thank Tyler. you very much for tuning in. Tibbs was a difference maker on Thursday. If he keeps playing at that level, we have a lot to be excited about. Absolutely. Guy can be very special. Yeah. And he agrees with what we're saying. Um, not to mention he was getting held on what seemed like every play. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that was really the first time this year where he was getting held and, like, deprived of the sack. I think the issue nowadays in the NFL and why fans get really mad when flags are thrown and when flags aren't thrown is because, again, I don't like getting into the whole political landscape of this, but the gray area that has been introduced by referees where you'll call – a holding penalty one play, but not on another play. And sometimes it has to do with your resume in the NFL, right? Like Kayvon Thibodeau hasn't necessarily earned the right to get those calls as were somebody like Aaron Donald or Von Miller um, will more likely than not get those calls. Kayvon Thibodeau has to, you know, earn that right. Um, But yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I'm not going to say that's the reason why he didn't get any sacks, but it definitely lingers in the back of my mind a little bit. Um, hopefully it all works out. Um, and a couple comments here. Thank you very much, Tyler, by the way, much appreciated Garth saying, what's up? Good evening, gentlemen, wrapping Christmas presents currently while watching Garth. It's December 1st. Maybe he wants to get ready early. Garth must be like a a Christmas guru. He must love Christmas. I mean, I, I love Christmas too. Don't get me wrong, but the last decade of Christmases hasn't been great. Haven't been great because the Giants have only been in contention once or twice. So, I wouldn't say those have necessarily ruined my Christmases per se. No. But I'm, I still, still wish they could have been better this past decade. The best Christmas present, which turned into a nightmare, was the three-year contract extension for Logan Ryan two years ago. Uh, Tom, I beg to differ. The best Christmas present was the Victor Cruz 99-yard touchdown catch against the New York Jets. That is true. Um, Last-minute preparations before Sweet Tea. Uh, Real Cold G, what's up, Steve? Um, Besides being held, he needs more pass rush moves. I'm not seeing enough from Thibs in that department. That's a good argument. Um, Yeah, I I think – He'll get there as he goes along. I also think having Aziz Ojolari coming back this week will definitely help Thibodeau's case uh, because now that's another guy you have to account for. No disrespect to Jihad Ward or O'Shane Zimenez, but Ojolari and Thibodeau have not played together yet on the field this season. And this week in Washington, they'll finally have that opportunity. So let's see what happens when Ojolari's on the field. But Steve, you're right. Sometimes Thibodeau is going to have to carry that load by himself. Um, And I really hope he learns how to do that. But let's go over some week 13 transactions. Um, And I say that in a tongue-in-cheek type of way. Before I get to the elephant in the room, the Giants are hopeful that four starters can return to action this week. That is Aziz Ojolari, Evan Neal, Ben Bredesen, and Daniel Bellinger. Although... um, Ben Bredesen may be relegated to a backup role. It looks like uh, Feliciano and Nick Gates could both be starting next to each other on the Giants' O-line. That'll be very interesting to see, um, you know, because both players have experience at guard and center. 
Um, Tony Jefferson also designated to return. The Giants tried out veteran wide receivers Adam Humphreys and Malik Taylor on Monday. Uh, Devery Hamilton and Trenton Thompson were re-signed back to the practice squad, and Robert Foster was terminated. Now, today, Elton Jr. had an official visit just days after he was kicked off a flight in South Florida for something about being unconscious, which I'm not going to get into, but... um, Hank, let's make the case for why the Giants should sign Odell Beckham Jr. and why the Giants should not sign Odell Beckham Jr. Let's start with why they should first. Now, before I give my reason for why they should sign Odell Beckham, I do want to make a little disclaimer. I am not at all advocating for the Giants to – give him a blank check. In fact, I would argue that that decision would be downright stupid. But as far as why I think the Giants should sign Odell Beckham, I think one reason that they should is because, well, it's pretty simple. The Giants wide receiver core is absolutely paper thin. When Darius Slayton is one of your leading receivers, You can say that that's a good thing in the sense that, you know, you're happy for him that he bounced back after a tough few seasons. But at the same time, what does that really say about your receiving core? You know, you also have a guy that's massively overpaid and somebody I'm starting to get convinced that maybe Dave Gettleman kind of did give a blank check to at this point, who's not cutting it and absolutely not doing the job. And you have like so many other names in term on the wide receiver core who like, you know, they're just not big names. You got Hodgins who has more receiving yards. I might add than that waste of space and Kenny Galladay. So, you know, the giants are just paper thin and also doesn't help that some of your better receivers are pretty much out for the season. I'm of course talking about Sterling Shepard who we really could have used this year. Yeah, um, I think the case for me with signing Odell is that the Giants are wide receiver needy badly. Um, again, Galladay's not cutting it right now. It's Slayton, James, and Hodgins as their top three. That will not fly for the remainder of the season. Then you have David Sills and Marcus Johnson, who are borderline practice squad players. Um, it, it's really, really difficult for me to see this team doing anything in the playoffs if they don't sign a receiver, um, I think Odell would be great if you brought him back on a one-year deal. And I'm not an Odell fan at all. In fact, I despised Odell the last couple of years when he was on the Giants. The fader uh, the bashing of Eli Manning on the talk show. Uh, there was uh, marrying the kicking. There was uh, the the fight with um, Alec Ogletree, and they then became teammates after that, which is ironic. There were just so many instances, one after another, that just made me dislike this guy more and more and more. But Odell is 30 years old now, just about. Um, if they, if the price is right, no pun intended, if it's a one-year deal, you have to consider it. If he wants anything more than a one-year deal, look, this man just tore his ACL. We don't know how he's going to play. We really don't. Um I'm not willing to give him more than a one-year deal. I will cave in to a one-year deal for Odell Beckham Jr., Hank. Now, the argument for not 
bring in Odell Beckham Jr. Giants seem to have a really good culture. Will Odell bring a culture problem? There's a strong possibility he did the first time around when he was here. Um, I don't necessarily know uh, who, I mean, the only holdovers on the team are, well, Landon Collins, who they just brought back and is on the practice squad, Sterling Shepard, who he played with and is good friends with. Um, He was teammates with Saquon for a little bit, Nick Gates as well. But other than that, I can't think of many other players, new coaching staff, new faces. So we'll see. I'm leaning towards don't sign Odell right now, only because I know he's going to want a multi-year deal, Hank. But I'm not totally against the idea if it does happen. Yeah, no, I am probably leaning the same way. And the reason is simply this. You really don't want to overpay for a short-term Band-Aid when – you really you really need to focus on the main goal this off season, which is to say trade for a wide receiver. Then, which makes more which made always made more sense than the idea of trading for a wide receiver at the draft date or at the trade deadline. Or you can always find a good receiver in the draft. I'm sure you and I will discuss this later on, but. I think I would not be surprised if the Giants were somehow in a position to be able to take a wide receiver at the position they're in because there are going to be teams that with quarterback needs. However, that's that's a tangent for another day. My, the, the whole point is I wouldn't necessarily hate the idea of having Odell Beckham. I mean, I didn't really despise him as much as you did. I I always enjoyed his talent, but the antics that he did were were much were a bit much for me. Let's put it that way. But no. If he, if he's get if he's going to be here on a one year deal, fine. Not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, um, it's definitely a difficult situation. Tyler says, "I'd love to have Odell back. I think he can really help DJ." On the downside, it is not unlikely at all to see him play two games and get hurt again. That's very very true. Good point. Um, a very good point. Thank you for that comment, Tyler. Steve says, "Real cold, G. I wouldn't sign Odell. Save that money towards Dexter next year." Honestly, he doesn't put us over the hump. I tend to lean more. I I mean, Tyler and Steve both bring up really great points. I wouldn't sign Odell. Mm. I I, I don't think Joe Shane will, unless it's a one year uh, that just carries him through the rest of the season. Because if you think about it, Hank, he just came off the injury. We don't know what he's going to look like. We really don't. Uh, and the bottom line also is this. Joe Shane has gone out of his way numerous times in numerous press conferences to say that we're looking at the big picture. Yeah. So, and I and if I, I tend to believe what he's saying, I, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, but. Uh, Let's talk about the Washington football team um, or the commanders winning the last meeting against the Giants, Hank, 22 to seven back in week 18 of last season. The infamous QB sneak game. We remember how that all went. Uh, That loss probably wound up costing Joe Judge his job ultimately. I don't know if that was the loss that like really cost him, but he was slowly at the point where. 
it looked like he was probably going to be a lame duck, but that decision, I, I just, I still can't get over that. Like it was a rough decision. It was, it I think it, Tom, let me give you a hot take regarding that decision. I would probably yeah. argue that those QB sneaks deep in his own territory. I think that might've been worse than all those decisions that buddy Ryan had when he was with the Eagles and he would punt on third and long back in the eighties. Yeah. Cause at least with buddy Ryan punting on third and long, he knew that it was, he was, it was unlikely that he'd get the first down and he knew he had a super talented quarterback, Randall Cunningham that could also punt. (laughs) Randall Cunningham. That's a guy I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, his personality is so polarizing it might upset the chemistry of the team. That's another good point. Sam saying what's up. Hi, guys. Love you. Be back next week. Uh, thank you very much for the comments, Sam. We miss you. Hope you're doing well. Look forward to having you back next week as we uh, preview the Philadelphia game. Hank's favorite week of the season. Uh, but before we bring on our, our guest in just about three minutes from now, um, Hank, let's go over some of the all-time series history for the Giants. It's funny. We were talking about the 2005 game today out of nowhere. So uh, Giants and Washington have a deep, deep history. Yes. Well, Tom, I'm pretty sure we talk about a lot of random old Giant games out of nowhere, but that's been the case like for like the past five years that I've known you now. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, um, the Marriott game. Yeah, that's right. That was when Tiki had one of his most uh, significant performances of his career, and he ended up giving – I think he gave somebody in the Mara family the game ball after that victory, if I remember correctly. I think so. It might have been his grandson. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but, it, you know, it's funny. We talk about the Eagles and the Cowboys as, like, some of our more hated teams, but I would definitely argue that Washington is up there historically – as one of the Giants' biggest rivals, because the Giants have played a lot of lot of big games against Washington, especially that game is one of them, and of course a lot of the games in the '80s back when it was the Giants' defense against the the Hogs, as they called them. But Tom, before we bring on Marty, I do want to give you the fun fact that I teased right as we were starting the show. Now I don't know a hundred percent for sure if this is true, but. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this might be the first time in Giants history where they went before December without playing either Washington or Philadelphia or both of them. I don't have the answer to that for you, but that I know sounds the right. And the Giants didn't play Washington until December 1st, but as far as both of them in a season, I don't know if that's ever happened until now. I think now with the 18-game season, there's a higher percentage chance that could happen. It's just weird that they push all these divisional games so late. But, um, Hank, prior to last year where Washington swept the Giants, the Giants had beaten them in six of the last seven games. Now, when I look at the Commanders this season, right now they're the second hottest team in the NFC. They've won six out of their last seven games. Uh, they beat the Falcons at home 19 to 13 on Sunday. Taylor Heineke had a great game. Brian Robinson had 105 rushing yards and a touchdown reception. Uh, Scary Terry and John Bates led the core in receiving. And they have a really talented young safety um, in Derek Forrest, 11 tackles, three picks on the season. Uh, Jamin Davis did a really good job stepping up for the injured Cole Holcomb. 
Teron Payne is always doing a lot of pain to opposing offenses. Six tackles and two in the backfield. Montez Sweat had a sack and two QB hits, and Kendall Fuller is always a uh, a weapon in that secondary for them. And you know what's interesting? These two teams are trending in two different directions right now. Washington has the best record in the NFL since Week Six. The Giants have lost three out of their last four. And when I look at the identity of these two teams, Hank, they're both top ten teams in rushing. So that should be very, very interesting to see what happens there with that. And I also want to shout out former Giant. Um, I know November just passed, but uh, David Mayo, uh, he just posted on his Instagram today that he is supporting the Pat Tillman Foundation, which supports active duty service members, veterans, and military spouses. So shout out to you, David Mayo. Uh, Once a Giant, always a Giant. Um, I believe he's starting for the Commanders now. So that should definitely be interesting. But, Hank, any final thoughts here before we bring up Marty? Again, even though Washington was never quite as high on my despised team's list, the games against between those the Giants and Washington have often been pretty interesting, even though it's they've been on our side for most of our life. But definitely looking forward to this game, even if I'm very nervous about this. Let me just um, go on my wooden table right here. Knock on wood. Without, As is tradition. Absolutely. And without further ado, we'll bring up our special guest now, the one, the only, uh, Commander Marty. Marty joins. Marty, <laughs> long time no see. How are you? Good, good. Uh, welcome. Uh, glad to be back on the show talking a little football, Washington Commanders and New York football giants. Uh, should be a good one this weekend. Yeah, thank you so much for your time tonight. We really do appreciate it. Um, we miss having you on, um, but Giants Commanders this weekend. Um, let's get right into it, Marty. Uh, Taylor Heineke. It seems like every time this guy gets in there and starts, this team turns around. Uh, how has he helped them turn it around, and what is it about this guy? Because this isn't the first time it's happened, so clearly it's not you know a coincidence. No, I mean, you go back to when he first jumped into that playoff game, you could tell he had some sort of spark. And uh, taking over for Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, last year, again, um, thrusted into the job, had some sparks, some ups and downs. He did have a four-game winning streak um, in 2021. So now going into this season, uh, again, Carson Wentz's job, he gets thrusted in there and he's got the spark. I think one of the big things that he's helped us during this winning streak is time of possession. Um, he's been able to hit checkdowns. We've been running the ball really well, getting into a lot of third and shorts. And by doing so, easy checks, easy slants to Terry McCorn. He hasn't been able – He does, the offensive coordinator has been giving a game plan that he doesn't have to think too much which if we get Taylor thinking too much, that could be disastrous for us. So it's a game plan simple, hand the ball off, third and short, find the open guy, let's keep the chains moving. We always want to end every possession in a kick. Extra point, field goal, or punt, and we'll be okay. Yeah, definitely. I would make agree with that. Um, So we got to talk about uh, another big guy on your defense, uh, Chase Young, it's looking like he might be playing on Sunday. How excited are you to be getting him back? And I guess that jersey probably answers your question. 
<laughs> yeah, Mike. no, we're, we're super excited here. Uh, Commander Nation is definitely excited to get him back onto the field. I'm cautiously excited, of course, uh, you know, tearing his ACL week 10 last year. It's just past a year. Um, he's a big dude, 6'4", 265 pounds, uh, freak athlete. So we, we want to make sure that he's here for the long run. Um, but we, I'd like to see him actually get eased into it. I've heard different reports on if he's going to play or not this weekend. I hope to see him out there. But more importantly, maybe, again, 10 to 15 snaps, third down, third and longs especially. Get him in there, one job. Let's get after the quarterback. Let's not worry about covering running backs out of the flat or stunts or anything. I just want straight on one-on-one football and just get his legs under him and hopefully after the bye playing you guys again, um, we go down the final stretch with him getting his legs and getting after the quarterback. Yeah, I think having him is a huge lift defensively, but he joins a really, really good defensive line. Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Montez Sweat, all with six-plus sacks, which is very concerning to me as a Giants fan. What challenges do those guys present to opposing O-linemen? I think first and foremost is their length. Uh, we saw it last week. A uh, game, game-winning interception was caused by Deron Payne sticking his hand up, and that's something that goes unnoticed is batted balls. In the middle, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, uh, very effective at that. And then on the edge with Montez Sweat, 6'6", can, can bend like a piece of paper, and he gets after the quarterback. So I think that's one thing that gets overlooked is their length. They just get after it in that sense. Um, also, their speed, of course, Montez Sweat, 4'5", guy. And mo- most importantly, I think what gives folks trouble is their motor. Uh, these guys from Alabama, I mean, they come from the Nick Saban. They, they don't quit. There's no snap, snaps off. It doesn't matter if it's first and 10, fourth and one. You're getting the same player every single snap, every single possession, and it's been great to see. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so I think my next question would be we got to talk about the NFC East because it's <laughs> it's funny, two years ago, it was considered the NFC least. Remember that? Certainly, yeah. We won the division at seven and nine. Uh, that's when Taylor Heineke got thrown into the playoffs. And yeah, it's always been an up and down division, right? We've we've seen us usually in the last few years be the butt of all jokes, but it's nice to see everybody succeed. Um, I think what Tom was alluding to earlier, some of the scheduling. Uh, now we're going to start beating up on each other, so we might see some records go down. Some records go up, but uh, it'll be exciting to see down the stretch. So my first question with regards to the NFC East is, out of all the teams in your division being above 500, who are you the most surprised with? Uh, I think preseason, of course. Uh, preseason, I would have to say you guys and the Giants. Uh, rebuild year, brand new coach. Didn't know about Daniel Jones or not, but it, it seems that you guys are running an effective offense. Defense is playing well and jumping off to a hot start. I think you guys really kicked it off when you beat the Green Bay Packers in London. I think that kind of put put that, uh, hey, what are the Giants doing up there? And just continually building on that. Midseason, I'll say us starting one and four. I mean, I would have never assumed to be in this position. So it's, again, exciting. Taylor Heineke is a big part of this and uh, it'll be good to see him on Sunday go after each other. Yeah. 
definitely. And uh, I think my follow-up question with regards to this is, would, do you see it as a possibility that all four NFC East teams go to the playoffs? I'd like to say yes. I'd like to make everybody happy on the show tonight because we can figure that the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys are going to make it. But unfortunately, just due to the scheduling uh, with us playing you twice, you guys still have to play the Eagles twice, I believe. Um, And we have the Cowboys one more time. If we are able, the commanders, to sweep, we have the Giants this week, a bye, and the Giants next week. This is crucial for our season. If we were able to sweep you guys, we would have a 96% chance to make the playoffs. If we split, we would have a 66% chance to make the playoffs. And if you guys sweep us, we would have a 12%. So I would assume with our records being very, very similar, that you would be on the same end of those percentages. So mathematics tells me that unless we split and we both win some games here and there down the stretch – uh, I think one of our teams is unfortunately going to be out. Yeah, I don't really know that that's very realistic. And I think the reason for that is simply this basic math. But <laughs> without a doubt, and I, and not to mention, I think the Seahawks very well ultimately could have like a say with regards to the tiebreaker of one of the two. Certainly. Like, let Certainly. me just uh, knock on wood once again because I know it's <laughs> Again, I'd, lo- I'd love to see it. You know, uh, again, talking about two years ago, we hosted a playoff game at seven and nine, but to have all four of us in there, that'd be an exciting wild card weekend uh, with a bunch of us probably definitely playing somebody out of our division. So uh, a case for maybe even three of us moving into the final four there too, would be awesome for the NFC East. Yeah, it's something about the East teams with doing really well, too, because if you look at the AFC, that, that's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. The Patriots, I think, are in last place at 6-5. and five. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely wouldn't want to play them. No, so it, it's, it's, it's exciting to be on this side. It's exciting to be in December. Um, I know we talked or listening before jumping on, talking about that Week 18 matchup last year. It's exciting to be in December and have both of these teams fight for something. It's always good to have the NFC East in the spotlight. Yeah, and uh, I like all your points there on the playoffs. Now, switching gears here towards this Sunday's game, um, you know, we've talked about some of the key players thus far, um, but who is one under-the-radar player on the Commanders who you think will have an impact uh, in Sunday's matchup? Yeah, so you kind of uh, hit them in the in the pregame there, uh, talking about this game, Tom. It's Derek Forrester, free safety for the Washington Commanders. Um, he's been a ball hawk in the secondary. He's definitely helped solidify some of those back end communication issues we had we had previous this year. Uh, defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio has made some switches around there. We typically play with three safeties. Uh, Bobby McCain, Cameron Curl, and Derek Forrester continuously. Um, and it's been a great, great adjustment. And if I go back to last year, week two, we beat the New York Giants 30-29 to because of a penalty on the defensive tackle jumping on the field goal. But if we go back even a little bit earlier in that game, Darius Slayton broke through a broken coverage. And I don't know if Daniel Jones ever threw him or he dropped it. You guys might be able to clarify that one for me. 
But I remember that touchdown would have solidified a win for the New York Giants for that game before that penalty even occurred. So hopefully this safety can come in, step up, play some ball hawk safety because it seems like the Giants always get a good big one or two plays off of us from broken coverage. So I'm hoping that he can step up and, and kind of solidify that. Yeah, I think um, if I remember correctly, I just remember fans online raving about it. I do think it was a drop pass. Um, I believe so, too. Yeah. I believe so, too. And I like Darius Slayton. Even in that game, five catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown, and he had that drop, which was a 50-plus yard play there. So uh, for you uh, gamblers out there, I do like Darius Slayton to score a touchdown this weekend seems to play very well against us and again the Giants are always good for a bomb player too against the commanders yeah I know he was I think he was dealing with an illness today I'm not sure if he practiced today let me check the injury report here it says Slayton missed practice today with an illness but there's been some flu or whatnot going around up here mm-hmm. some like common cold sinus and that's been going around a lot of players on all NFL teams have been getting it, but I'm sure Slayton will be a go on Sunday. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a solid player. I never thought through 12 weeks he'd be the team's leading receiver, which is uh, which is incredible to say. Um, yeah, no, you guys are definitely missing. I, I caught, the, caught the piece with you uh, both talking about OBJ. Definitely missing Sterling Shepard on that team. He was a pretty big piece there, and Hopefully he can get back healthy because it seems that whenever he gets his rhythm, something always happens injury-related for him. Hopefully he can he can get back on track. Yeah. Um, so my next question is: You went from one and four to seven and five. Has Ron Rivera saved his job for next season, or is it soon? Is it too soon to tell? And. I know there's a lot of external stuff going on right now, which I'm not going to get into with Washington, but Ron Rivera himself and coaching this football team, I mean, there seems to be a lot of promise there. Do you think Certainly. he should be the guy? Uh, yeah, he's, he's in his third year, and if you look at his track record in Carolina, his third year he was 15-1 and one and made the Super Bowl. Uh, we had that similar – Trajectory. I mean, of course, we're not 15 and one, and I don't believe we're anybody's knocking on the door and calling us Super Bowl contenders. But you can see that progression on the roster change and finally getting his guys in there. I believe that he should be able to uh, be the head coach here in Washington. I think they're building something great. Like you said, there's external factors there, potentially new ownership um, in Washington come this spring. And if that happens, uh, all bets are off. But if we're looking strictly on production on the football field, regardless who's in the skybox, I do believe that Ron Rivera deserves to keep this team and keep this rebuild going and, and look to see what he can do in year four. Yeah, for sure. And um, so would you agree that Ron Rivera has definitely secured his job? Yeah, I, I would say I would say that he secured it uh, again. That one and four start is pretty rocky, and his tenure here so far in the first three years, the beginning of the seasons have been just brutal, which has really put the pressure on the back end. But again, we're, we're back here to seven and five. We were on the one yard line against the Tennessee Titans and threw an interception to score and win that game, and we had a ten point lead against the Minnesota Vikings with six minutes left in that game. 
and end up losing that one. So you could make a real case for us that we could we could be sitting at nine wins if the ball bounces our way. Um, and uh, I just think it's all because of Ron and what he's doing in that locker room. Yeah, it's definitely great to see. And you guys are getting healthier too now. You get Jahan Dotson back, uh, I believe, and then Curtis Samuel is yes. another weapon. That scares me. That plethora, those three receivers, and then Deami Brown as well. Um, you know, Logan Thomas is still a factor in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, man, like there's a lot of yeah. players that concern me because obviously yeah. we know a, a key for me in this game, at least, is getting pressure on Heineke because the Giants do a good job of, of getting pressure, but they can't seem to get sacks. And now with Aziz Ojolari returning, I'm interested to see if it helps Kayvon Thibodeau out because you guys, you were mentioning before, dumping off passes, uh, slants to McLaurin. Uh, Antonio Gibson has 40 catches mm-hmm. on the season. Incredible pass catching back. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Thibodeau and Ojolari against Charles Leno. Um, and who's your right tackle again? It's not Cosme, right? Uh, Cosme has been jumping in there. He was hurt with a um... – he had a fractured finger, but it has been um, Cornelius Lucas, who's been playing really well for us. But I believe going into Sunday, we've got some issues at right guard with Ty Turner out. So the talk has been kicking Cosme in at guard and starting Cornelius Lucas for the entirety at right tackle. So it'll be his first game in the last three. They've actually been playing this weird alternate right tackle uh, where they don't only switch series, but it seems like they switch possessions and plays. Certain ones come in for certain sets. So it'll be interesting to see him at an entire game against the defensive line that you guys are boasting. That sounds like us last year, Hank. Um, (laughs) Hang yeah, on. I, 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 I want to ask you, what's one key for you in this game? Because it seems like it in the past, and Marty, this is no knock at Washington whatsoever, but it seems like in years past, past decade or two, whenever the Giants have been struggling, Washington always seems to be the get right game um, up until last season. That is when you guys swept us, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, Hank, what's the key for the Giants here? Because I'm trying to wrap this all together and Washington is obviously we know we're on a similar talent level. Um, I would argue Washington. I would say, but uh, you talked to me, what are you thinking? I would definitely say one key to this game will definitely be. Now I wouldn't say stopping, but containing Terry McLaurin and, that's going to be pretty difficult because, as I mentioned, as we mentioned, the Giants' secondary is also pretty thin with regards to depth. And I think basically, when it comes to stopping him, it's simply this: you got to know where he is at all times. You got to limit the big plays, and you know Terry McLaurin's had a lot of those plays. But I think one guy who's definitely capable of stopping him would have to be the guy who's been very versatile in our secondary, that's Julian Love. But, yeah, I would I would say definitely containing him because, again, I, I don't think the Giants have the personnel, at least in terms of being healthy, where I can really say they'll stop him. That's, that's not going to happen, but at and least with, containing him. And with and with the, the Taylor Heineke at the helm, that's something that has definitely helped Terry McLaurin. With Carson Wentz in the starting lineup, Terry only averaged about three to five targets a game. 
And now he's sitting about eight and a half to nine targets a game. And that's only been going up. So it's been great to see our playmakers. And again, Hank, that would definitely be a key for the Giants because we know uh, watching he's going to get targets. Mm -hmm. Marty, what's your key for the commanders in order to win this game? And what you would say is one thing they absolutely have to do to be big blue. Uh, Well, uh, I'll just say out here, Daniel Jones looks like Joe Montana against the commanders most of the time. Uh, He has a great record against them. Uh, Some call him the white Mike Vick. Uh, He's gotten all kinds of nicknames on the chatter boxes down here at DC. Uh, He has played great against us. I don't know why. Um, I guess he just likes to to beat up on us, but one key for us would definitely have to be the limit to big play. He always seems to find the wide receiver sneaking through the slot area and just beating a busted coverage. So if we can limit that, stop that. I mean, just if we could just not let them have their big play, I think both of our teams have similar styles and what they want to do. We want to ground and pound. We want to make this game short. We want to see if we can get a couple turnovers and we want to see if we can get a couple big plays. And if we can limit the big play, I think we'd have a chance to win this game. Definitely. Um, I was thinking Jones on his legs, too, is dangerous, as you mm-hmm. know very well. Um, we remember the, the ultimate Chase Young game that we had a few a few yes. years back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That was, a, that was again, uh, another, another time where these football teams were playing in December and fighting for draft position. So it's just great to jump on tonight and actually talk, talk about, about playoff players. football. You know, yeah. talk about two teams that deserve to be there two fan bases that deserve to be there and uh, just ready for Sunday at one o'clock and watching these two teams hit each other. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. And I, I think for us, I guess my key is um, establishing a run because over the past two weeks, there's been no running game established. And that's why the giants have lost both of those games. Uh, the giants throughout the entirety of the season have the sixth best rushing attack in the NFL, but the duo that, um, Washington has Marty. I like to call them the Bama boys and Allen and Payne uh, combined for 13 sacks and 25 tackles for loss. This is at the defensive tackle position. Yeah. Combined for 13 sacks. They get after it. Uh, They get after it in the run game. They get after it in the pass game. One thing that Atlanta exposed a little bit that I think that we'll see the Giants do, and Brian Dayball, if you're listening, you can turn it off right now. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons were actually triple teaming. Uh, what they would do is they'd bring two blocking tight ends. They have two really good blocking tight ends and they would take uh, three interior linemen and block Jonathan Allen. They'd take the other two on the left-hand side and block Deron Payne and they would take tackles against the defensive ends. Our linebacker play has been sub bar. Jamin Davis has been coming on a little bit, uh, but for the most part, they've been, lackluster to say the least and teams the Atlanta Falcons especially they averaged over seven yards of carry against us for that game uh and I think they just basically said our running backs are better than your linebackers we'll beat you to the spot and I think I could see a similar game plan for the Giants with Saquon Barkley uh one of the best running backs in the league I think they'd love to take Saquon Barkley versus our linebackers one-on-one all day long in the second level and see who can win and Hank, I, I, w- I want to ask you this to build off Marty's point. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not just Barkley against them. It's Barkley and Jones. Do you agree with that? Or 
Oh, abs- I completely agree with that. I think Washington's, you know, edge rushers are going to be a very tough obstacle for the Giants in this game. And, you know, I think really we're going to see how much reinforcements we get back with this offensive line. I would hope that the return of Evan Neal can definitely help in that department because, look, we talked about our concern with Saquon Barkley and him possibly dealing with the effects of the shoulder. But again, I think you also have to factor in that the offensive line hasn't exactly been of the best help with regards to Saquon Barkley. So in other words, Tom, it can be both. Can can be both. Um, I mean, Saquon has those seven touchdowns, just eight yards away from a thousand yards. I never thought I'd be saying that 12 games in this year. I'm happy I can. Um, that interior line concerns me. I mean, hell, Jack Anderson started on Thanksgiving. That's how poor we've been in, in depth. So if John Feliciano can come back, you can slide Nick Gates out to left guard, who allowed just one pressure this past week. And I, I think those two can potentially do a decent job in there um, with Mark Lewinsky on the other end and try to fend off this Washington interior rush. But, um, man, when you spend two first-round picks on defensive tackles, I mean, <laughs> they've lived up to the hype, Marty. They they really yeah. have. They definitely have, especially this year. It's taken a while for it to gel. Um, Chase Young being out and not being a part of that gel kind of uh, hurts as a fan that he was the second overall pick. But yeah. honestly, the way those guys have been playing um, – they haven't missed a beat, and again, we spent four consecutive first-round picks on that defensive line, five consecutive on the defensive on the defensive side. So it's good to see some of those young guys finally filling those shoes. Absolutely. Now, Marty, if you had to steal one player from the Giants, who would it be, and why? And Hank, start thinking because I'm going to ask you the same thing for Washington in a moment. <laughs> Yeah, so this was a this was a tough one for me. I'm a big Saquon Barkley guy. I'd love to steal him. Um, I think he's a great talent. But again, we've got two great running back. Well, I shouldn't say we have two great. We have two solid running backs that definitely feed off of each other. So I'd probably have to go with Andrew Thomas, left tackle from the Giants. Are again, our offensive line has been playing playing pretty good. But an upgrade there, the third. PFF's third-ranked left tackle. I'd love to have him on the team, give us more versatility, more depth, and I think he would uh, solidify the left side for us um, moving down the line. So if you want to trade him our way, we'll gladly take him. It's a great pick. Mm-hmm. Last year you took, started out. Last year you started out. You took Bradbury. Remember that? Yes, I did. We had a chance to get him this offseason, and, of course, you know uh, – we just let we let him go, or it was that previous off season? But uh, we had a chance to actually get him, and we you know let the Philadelphia Eagles have him. He's having a great season, so uh, yeah, maybe Andrew Thomas will be available here in a couple of years, and we'll go get him. Who knows? And I like <laughs> the pick of that because Gibson and Robinson, I think, both have over four hundred fifty rushing yards apiece. Yeah. So you know, as good as Saquon is, the two the two of them are fine. I think you're fine exactly. with those two. But yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely like that pick. And then uh, even Evan Neal uh, coming back from injury, mm. he'd be another, he'd be another guy that'd be a great piece on that offensive line for us. 
Henry. That's a great pick, and I, I'm glad that you said Andrew Thomas because I've been on record saying that he is arguably the most valuable player for the New York Giants, at least if we're talking about offense. But as far as my pick for guys to steal from your Washington commanders, and I love how you still have their old name sneaking in on your jersey, by the way. I just want to <laughs> – um, no, my guy that I would steal – I have a few. I definitely was considering guys like Montez Sweat and Chase Young. However, I think I really am going to base this off of position of need. And so I'm going to go with Scary Terry for the obvious reason being that, yeah, who do we have at wide receiver? Kenny Galladay, Isaiah Hodgins, um, Darius Slayton. Like, no. Paper thin. I, I, I got to go with Scary Terry, and I think he would definitely be a massive upgrade. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a great team leader. Uh, started his career here as kind of that deep ball threat and has slowly progressed into all three levels. He runs slants well, drags, screens, and again, he can take the top off. So he's definitely progressed to one of the best, best wide receivers in the league in the top 10 i i believe and he'd be a great fit in the blue too i wouldn't want to see it though (laughs) that's a good pick um i'm gonna go a little different here because we also have a gaping hole at cornerback and washington has a solid one in kendall fuller again you don't need a superstar cornerback but fuller is by far a massive upgrade over anybody we have right now. Um, that's not including a Dory Jackson. If he was healthy, I'd probably agree with you, Hank, and go with Scary Terry. But, I mean, right now, we don't even know if Fabian Moreau is going to play. So, again, we might be looking at Nick McLeod and uh, Cordell Flott as the starting corners on Sunday, which is concerning. And, Marty, I just want to ask you this as an outsider looking in. Have you heard of Cordell Flott or Nick McLeod? <laughs> I have not. Fabian Monroe, uh, we drafted him out of UCLA. That's he right. Spent some, he spent some time here, and I believe he researched his career a little bit down in Atlanta before coming to you guys. So that name sounded familiar. I'm glad to see him uh, still on the football field. But uh, the other two, unfortunately, no, I have not heard of them. So it'll be interesting to see if Taylor Heineken can take advantage which works right into your advantage. Heineke, 5-1 and one as a starter <laughs> this year. Let's see if you can make it 6-1 and one on yeah. Sunday. Um, let's get to our game predictions. Um, first, we'll go over Sam's, who's not here tonight. Um, she, has, she says, after four straight wins, Taylor Heineke is starting to break a bit. She has the Giants winning 24-21. to 21. So she has Washington scoring three touchdowns and us getting 24 points. Um, I even think that might be a little generous as far as the scoring goes. I think it might even be lower than that. Um, Marty, who do you got winning this one and score? Yeah, I think I'm going a little opposite too with uh, the scoring aspect that you just mentioned, Tom. I think you've guys got some injuries on the back end. Uh, Game planning for us. Uh, everyone's going to want to stop the run. And I see for this game to try to be the Taylor Heineke come out game where he can maybe get two to three touchdown passes. And I think they're going to put the ball in his hands a lot. 
Uh, so I, and the fan of me hopes that it goes well. And if it does, I've got the commanders 28 giants, 22. That's an interesting score. I like it. Well, I don't like it, but I, I like the uh, outside of the box thought process there. Yeah, I, I just think that teams are teams are now going to start stacking boxes. I mean, they know that we can run the football. And uh, again, you just mentioned you've got some injuries in the back end. I think that uh, if Taylor can not make the big mistake, we can score twenty eight points. <laughs> but we haven't done that all year, except for twice. So we'll see. If that- <laughs> All right, so one one and one so far. Hank, who do you got? I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong, but I have the commanders edging the Giants just barely. And the reason why is I while I do think the reinforcements could help the Giants, I do worry that some of the injuries are gonna be tough to overcome. And I think ultimately a heartbreaker happens, but yeah, it, it's going to be a really close game, but the, with the way Washington's been on a roll lately, there's a lot that scares me going into this game. Score. My score is going to be, Hmm. I'm going to go with 25 to 22 Washington. All right. A weird score. Okay, so I mean, you you both have the Giants scoring twenty two points. Um, so for me, oh gosh, I could even this up here, or I could tilt it in Washington's favor. Um, so you know, we, we've talked about all things considered. Um, I do think that we're going to split the uh, the two games that we play in this year. Um, looking at things. Um, the Giants have played a lot better at home than on the road. So with that being said, I'm going to take the Giants for this one by a final score of 23 to 20. One thing we didn't talk about as well is the 10 days rest for Big Blue to get a lot of these guys healthy. And I almost forgot to mention this. This is shame on me, but uh, rookie tight end Daniel Bellinger with that eye injury will likely be back starting this week, which I think is a huge boost for the Giants offense. But uh, I could easily see the Commanders having a fourth quarter lead, and Daniel Jones against his sixth fourth quarter comeback win of the season. Um, not to go too far ahead, though, but I, I think the bye week in Week 14, Marty, will suit you guys quite well to come back in Week 15 and potentially split that one up <laughs> against us. Yeah, I, I've got I've got a splitting too. I actually think if there was a bye week, you wouldn't want it would be when you're on a hot roll. So I think that we'll continue this role by week, maybe stales us up a bit. You guys could get us the following week. Um, and that's how, that's how I'm seeing it. Uh, again, uh, I don't ever hate a bye week, but man, I wish I would have had it in a different week because we're really playing some good football. Yeah, I definitely agree. Week 14 is somewhat late to have a bye week. Um, all things considered there, but um, Marty, any final thoughts here before we let you go? Um, appreciate you hopping on as always. Yeah. Again, appreciate the time. Uh, it'll be fun again. Like we've been talking about all night. This is a great, a great rivalry, two great teams, two great histories uh, going at it. And this will be the first time you guys get to suit up against the commanders. And uh, one last final thought is go O's. 
That's right. <laughs> Giants are wearing Giants are wearing the old the classic uniform Sunday, right, Hank? Yes, they are. That's why I'm rocking uh, my uh, classic blue uh, Strahan jersey. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Marty. Thank you again so much, and uh, we will talk to you very soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Marty. That was Marty Joins, the former host of Intercept Your Lunch podcast. Um, if you ever try to get your lunch intercepted one day, make sure to go check out his YouTube channel. Um, he has some good, funny old episodes up there. Uh, you know, big uh, Maryland sports fan. I'll put it to you that way. But um, Hank, it, it's interesting here. There's a couple things we didn't go over yet. And. Mm-hmm. We talked about all the key players in this game. Um, I would potentially look at Cameron Curl, too, as a guy that I might steal. Um, three picks, two forced fumbles. He's caused five. To, both of their safeties are young, and they concern me um, thinking about it. I just think the Giants need a get-right game, and this is the typical week for them to get it against the Washington Commanders. Uh, and I, I think – if you make Heineke try to beat you through the air, I mean, even last week you saw Dak with the two picks in that first half. I don't think Washington is as scary as Dallas is as far as keeping us off the scoreboard, um, mm-hmm. which is why I think the Giants have an advantage. But there's two other players that I think could contribute in this game, and let me know what you think. Jalen Smith has been a nice addition to this linebacking unit. He's the fastest linebacker on the roster. He's been a starter for the last few weeks now. Um, 46 tackles, two tackles for loss, one fumble recovery in eight games play. Him and Micah McFadden were not the penciled-in starters at the start of the season, so very interesting to see both of them starting now. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think that uh, Jalen Smith is def- could definitely be a good impact player, so I definitely agree with you there. And then Rodarius Williams is my other. In two games played this year, he has five tackles, two passes defended, and one interception. Uh, probably the best boundary corner on the Giants roster right now. I'd put him over Flott and McLeod in that category. Had an 83.5 uh, PFF grade, and he's part of the reason why the Giants have allowed under a 60% completion percentage to quarterbacks this season. That is third best in the National Football League. Shout out, Wink Martindale. So. I'm yeah. definitely happy about having Rodin. Wink's Funhouse. Yes, Wink's Funhouse. And, Hank, now let's get to the injury report here before we sign off. And I do have one special shout-out before we sign off. Uh, Giants injury report. Darius Slayton did not practice today with an illness. Uh, questionable. Josh Azudu, neck, did not practice today. He is doubtful. Dory Jackson, knee injury, did not practice. He's out. Uh, Shane Lemieux, toe injury, he's also likely out. I'd list them as doubtful. Gary Brightwell, limited with an illness. He's questionable. Richie James, questionable with a knee injury. Daniel Bellinger, probable with an eye injury. Dane Belton, limited with a clavicle. Carter Coughlin adds to the injury report with a thigh injury. Uh, John Feliciano, probable with a neck. Darnay Holmes, shoulder, he's probable. 
Fabian Moreau, gosh, we're still going. Uh, questionable with an oblique strain. Leonard Williams, probable with the, the neck. Evan Neal will play. Tyre Phillips will back up Neal. Cordell Flott will play. Uh, he was in concussion protocol, but he has now um, exited that. And for Washington, Dax Milne did not practice with the foot. Cornerback Benjamin St. Just, ankle injury, did not practice. Trey Turner, as Marty mentioned before, did not practice. Antonio Gibson, Tyler Larson, Logan Thomas, and Chase Young are the other injuries. So, hey, their injury report is much shorter than ours. So that's that was a laundry list for the Giants. Yeah, I w- I was gonna say, oh gosh, I hope I hope you finish up with that injury report soon. But obviously, <laughs> we know the whole matter of the situation. But hey, hopefully the Giants can overcome what's been happening to them, and I would love to get get them in a close win. I don't care how ugly it is, just get the dub and uh, one step closer to playoff spot. Deontay McCowan, what's up, Deontay? Uh, the New York Giants, we kick ass on Sunday. Big W for the New York Giants, eight underscore four. Uh, I hope you're right, man. I, I hope the Giants win by multiple possessions. I'd love to see it. Uh, unfortunately, I think Washington is a little too good for that to happen. Uh, but I do have us uh, skating out a win this weekend. Uh, before we sign off, one last shout-out. I was kind of hoping Sam was here tonight to see this, but – um, I think you know where I'm going with this, Hank. I want to wish, wish a happy early birthday to my girlfriend, Deanna. Uh, this is us at our first Giants game together earlier this year, back in week four against the Chicago Bears. We had an awesome time. Uh, she's a big supporter of the show and a big fan. I know tonight she's working late, but um, just wanted to wish you a happy early birthday. She, uh, yeah, her birthday's tomorrow, so it'll be uh, it'll it'll be a fun weekend. So thank you, Deanna. Shout out to you. Yeah, and I remember uh, when that picture was taken. Great times. It was a lot yes. of fun that game. That was a very fun weekend. But uh, happy early birthday to Deanna. Um, Hank, any final thoughts? Just get the dub. That's all I'm going to say. Just get the dub. I don't care how you do it. But at the same time, let me just remind you once again, not too many people thought that we'd even play, be playing meaningful games in December. In fact, yours truly had the Giants winning exactly seven games before the season. Now look where we are. Big game against Washington. This is the good type of nervous that I have been longing to feel for the Giants and it's something that I haven't really felt since uh, probably the before the Beach Boys game in Lambo. so <laughs> yeah that that's really that's pretty much it and because even in 2020 like you knew that it wasn't really a great team so I could it, it was kind of a hollow like I'm nervous about this yeah like we were playing playoff football then but not really because we knew it was just a spot that was being filled to get bombed by whoever in the first round so it was a different kind of nervous yeah yeah um Deontay a couple more comments what's up bro saying wish her happy birthday uh will do on behalf of the fan base here at Big Blue Avenue um happy birthday Deanna 
That is right. Thank you, Hank. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Without further ado, let's go big blue. Ew.